Hello and welcome to another episode of the VCDX podcast, a podcast focused on the VCDX certification with news, updates, advice, and special guests. If you find this podcast interesting, please be sure to subscribe and tell others about it on social media. My name is Simon Long, VCDX number 105, and in this episode, my special guests, yes, that's right, we have two special guests in this episode who've joined me to talk about their recent experiences of being observers in the latest VCDX defenses. Here's a taste of what's coming up. You know when you keep hearing people tell you, hey, the panelists are there to ask you questions, to you know better understand your design, give you opportunities to score, right? Um, and to pass, like they want you to pass. And to be honest, I don't think I really believe that. It's the way of the, the questions were asked. So we know where, for example, the, the designs were light on or we wanted to know more about. But to ask the question without really asking the question, like customers would do that, that, that was the part that really stood out to me. Let's head into the news and updates section. First of all, I want to congratulate our newly minted VCDXs since our last episode. We have VCDX number 289, Chris Noon from Gibraltar. And we also have VCDX number 290, Wesley Geerhoud from the Netherlands. They both passed the VCDX in the networking virtualization track. So congratulations, guys. That's really good news. A couple of important dates that you should be aware of. January 4th, 2021 is the submission deadline for the March 2021 defenses. Yes, we're already into 2021 timeframe. So if you're interested in doing the March 2021 defenses, you need to submit your paperwork before the 4th of January. And I'd highly recommend submitting it uh, at least a few days before that date in case you miss something as part of the application and you have to go back and, and resubmit your package again. In addition to that, we have an online VCDX workshop coming up in just a few weeks time on Friday, de December the 4th. So if you're interested in finding out a bit more about the VCDX, the VCDX workshop is definitely the best place to get all of the information you need about the processes, what, what to expect. You all ha also have the opportunity to ask, ask questions live for the people who are running the VCDX workshop. So that's Friday, December the 4th, 2020. And I'll put these dates in the show notes as well and some links there if you need to uh, register for the, for the online workshops. So that's it for the news and updates in this episode. Let's head, head into our special guest interviews. You're listening to the VCDX podcast. Moving on to our guest interviews. Who is this episode's first special guest? Give me a name and your number. My name is Phoebe Kim, VCDX number 288. Well, welcome, Phoebe. Thank you for joining me today. Um, so tell us, which VCDX certification do you have and, and when did you pass your VCDX? Yeah, I had the VCDX in network virtualization track. Um, I did my first defense in December and then I, I did a second one in January as a remote defense. And that's when I got my VCDX. Well, so pretty recent then as well. And there hasn't been too many defenses between now and, and last, uh, last January either. So uh, that's quite a recent VCDX. So congratulations on Thank that. You. So tell us, what is your current job role and what, what do you do in that role? Yeah, so I'm a customer success architect at VMware. So there has been a little bit of reorg in the in the last couple months of you know VMware mm -hmm. redefining the customer success and experience and what that means for our customers. But overall, um, I hold workshops where I review the current state of our customers' environment from you know an architectural perspective, make some recommendations on you know how they can improve. 
their current architecture for, you know, maybe better stability or mm -hmm. performance, you know, whatever issues maybe they've been having. Um, and lately, I've been having a lot of conversations around migrations as well. So, you know, with VRE 7 to 8, right, NSX V to T, mm -hmm. if they have VCF, VCF 2 to 3, 3 to 4, okay. all that fun stuff. And so do you, um, it sounds like you don't actually focus on one product area. Is, is that across all the VMware products? So at, at the moment, I've been working mostly with VCF customers. And mm -hmm. because VCF has that full stack, I still have some of the VRA and NSX conversations as well. Wow. I guess that keeps you busy then. That sounds like a quite exciting oh, role. Yeah. <laughs> Being able to, to uh, review all the designs as well, is, uh, is quite, I quite enjoy doing that part. So it must be good fun for that. So the main reason I'm happy you could join me on this episode of the VCDEX podcast is to talk about your experience of becoming an observer during the recent VCDEX panels. And I'm specifically interested in things that you might have observed or, or learned as part of that process that you could maybe pass on to our listeners who are also to walk, working towards the goal of becoming a VCDX. So, you know, what can you share with us there? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely fun for me to be on the other side, right? You, mm -hmm. you just see a whole different side of the table, and uh, that was very enjoyable for me. Uh, and less stressful, right? You're not the candidate anymore, so I enjoyed that part. Um, I think number one thing I noticed is, you know, when you keep hearing people tell you, hey, the panelists are there to ask you questions, to, you know, better understand your design, give you opportunities to score, Right. Um, and to pass, like they want you to pass. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I don't think I really believe that. <laughs> you know, all the <laughs> yep. past VCDX is telling me that. I'm like, ah, sure, you're just trying to make me feel better. But mm -hmm. um, being on the uh, being an observer, I did really notice that they're basically are rooting for you. They're looking to, for areas where um, you can shine, right? Yeah. And help them understand. And I, I think I really saw that. And now I believe all the other people. But I didn't <laughs> it's when I was that. a candidate. Yeah, I mean, I was the same as a as when I was going as a candidate. I felt the same thing. You know, yeah, everyone's saying that they just want you to pass. I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes the questions they ask doesn't really feel like they want you to pass because often we'll ask you questions until you get to the point where you cannot answer the question. And then it obviously makes the candidate feel that, well, they're just trying to make, make me fail, which is not the case, as you as you now saw. So it's interesting that you observed that. And hopefully, hopefully your feedback will... Uh, maybe fill some people with a bit more uh, more hope than we have up until this point. So that's a good bit of feedback. What, so anything, what else did you find? Yeah, uh, I guess another thing to that really is, um, I've also heard people say, hey, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, and I think I really saw that too when I was you know, just observing that they're asking you to really understand how you got there, how you got to a certain design decision and how that works for your you and your client. And it's not like, okay, I want this guy to say this thing specifically, mm -hmm. or there's no point for you, right? There's no, there's no wrong or, you know, right or wrong answer, really. They just want to understand. And I don't think yeah. I got that either. Because every time I answer during my defense, I'm like, did I get that right? Did I do it correctly? Right. And I kind of yeah. panic by myself. So um, well, yeah, is, hopefully that makes people feel better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is a fair point because there isn't always a right and wrong answer. A lot of time the customers will put constraints and and obstacles in the way where you can't necessarily de deploy or design the right environment that you would like to because of the constraints that you have, right? So it's just more about we, are, we as panelists trying to understand what were those hurdles that you put in place to come to that decision that you had made, not necessarily 
is the decision right or wrong? It's why why you why have that decision been made? And that's what we're interested to find out. So was there anything else? Oh, I guess one other thing would be mm-hmm. I was I was surprised by this one where the presentation does matter, right? I mean, we're not, you know, graphic designers and trying to, it's not an exam of how pretty your presentation looks, but it was more of how how it can help you convey your information mm-hmm. and make it clearer for, um, for the panelists uh, to understand your design and where you're coming from. And I think it does help a lot in that area. And maybe, you know, it could save you a lot of time too if you have... Um, a slide that's not cluttered with information or too much information, mm-hmm. right? So I think I think that I I found very interesting from an observer perspective. Yeah, and I think going forward as as you as a panelist as well, one of the things I find that the the presentation helps a lot with is uh, as sad as it is, often we're doing a lot of panels in a very short space of time, so we've reviewed a lot of just different designs. So having this presentation, which almost gives you a recap of what you've already read from the documentation and a reminder of which design you're looking at and which constraints you had. And that 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 part is very important for us as panelists as well. So I think the presentation itself is extremely important. It doesn't have to go down into the weeds. That's what your documentation is for. But it's good to give you a high-level overview, which is kind of what it's designed to be, is a high-level executive overview of of the design, of the you know, the whole engagement that you had with the customer. Um, and it just gives us as panelists as well a, a reminder of what it is we're here sitting down listening to today. So it's it's good that you've kind of see that from your side of things because often it's a lot of attention is put onto the uh, the architectural design documentation and the supporting documentation and the kind of the the presentation itself is almost like an afterthought because you're thinking, well, what do I need to do with this presentation? All you're going to do is ask me questions from a document. You know, I don't necessarily need to spend time on the presentation, but there's been times when the presentation has been so well thought out and so well presented. A lot of the questions that you maybe initially had has just been covered throughout the presentation itself as well. So I definitely feel that a lot more time could be spent on a lot of people's presentations. So it's it's interesting that you saw that from just your initial observations as well as a panelist. Yeah, and it helps you, I think, relax as well, right? In the beginning, when you're talking about your mm-hmm. project, that you kind of want to practice that flow, and also it helps throughout the I, throughout the defense. I think if you have all the areas that you know the exam blueprint says you know you should cover, mm-hmm. then you know you're kind of hitting all the areas that you need to as you're going. So I think it helps you in that way too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, because that's the, almost the first thing that you have to do is if you enter, if you if it's physical or if it's online, you kind of enter the room. You've kind of been read a bit of information around the, what's going to happen, how long you have, and things, and then it's kind of okay. The clock started, and a lot of people sort of get to that point and start to tense up. But if you're comfortable with just giving this presentation and at least the first three or four slides, it's it's a good way to kind of get you to relax into the into the defense itself because it's a content that you know and you can just talk nicely to to it and then hopefully it'll kind of put you on a good stead to be calm and 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 proceed through so so it's really definitely really good feedback there Phoebe much really much appreciated and I'm sure we're looking forward to having you back uh, as a full-time panelist at some point going forward in the future so just uh just to finish with some usual um, closing questions that we have on this podcast so knowing what you know now other than obviously the scoring, if you could go back in time, back to when you were preparing for the VCDX, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Yeah, I, uh, hmm. 
I mean, there are many things I would say, mm -hmm. but I think number one thing is sometimes the reminder to state the obvious. So like what I mean by that really mm -hmm. is, you know, the goal of the defense is for you to have a conversation with the panelists, right? They um, present the design and they want to understand your thought process. But you also do so many mocks before, mm -hmm. right? You go in that and you've seen your design so many times for how many months that sometimes something that seems so obvious to you may not be obvious to the panelists. Yeah. So I think sometimes remembering to state something that might seem obvious to you, right? Might yeah. help the panelists understand you better. Yeah. No, that's a really, really good point. Uh, and I'm very guilty of doing that as well because you've kind of lived this design for so long. You forget that the people that you're talking to has never seen this before and has no idea what you're talking about. So trying to be very clear, even if it sounds very basic to you, will certainly help make it easier for the panelists to understand what you're trying to talk about as well. And I think that almost goes into the design scenario as well. Often when you're going through the design scenario, the, the candidates, because they know that the VCDX panelists know a lot of the technical information, they kind of assume that they're not going to ask for kind of like that very high level details so in, as part of the design we recommend still try and explain to the panelists as if they're customers about the technology that you're trying to recommend to them and don't just assume that the panelists know everything because that's not how we're trying to position this it should be a pretend we're a customer the customer's new to this wants to understand it don't just assume that you know we know everything and you know so so i think that kind of goes hand in hand try and keep try and keep it simple to begin with and if the panelists want more information they'll ask additional questions to try and dig dig deeper into that technology so that's a really really good piece of advice and hopefully that other people can take into consideration when they're going for their vcdx so lastly phoebe is like how can people f find and follow you on the internet if you would like them to of course Sure. Uh, I do have a Twitter account. I will say I am probably the worst millennial out there in terms of <laughs> social media. <laughs> I'm really terrible with it, but I'm learning. And mm -hmm. uh, my handle is Phoebe S.Y. Kim. So I'm Great. available anytime. Perfect. Phoebe, well, thanks again for joining me on this episode of this, um, the VCDX podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure and hopefully we can get you on again in the future at some point. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Let's move on to our second special guest of this episode. Give me your name and your number. Hi, my uh, name is Marco van Bachem. Uh, my VCDX number is uh, 223. Hey, well, welcome, Marco. Thank you for joining me. So tell us, which C uh, VCDX certification track do you have and when did you pass the VCDX? So I passed my VCDX in 2016 and was based on the DCV, so the Data Center Virtualization Track. Very cool. And can you tell us what's your current job role and, and what sort of things do you do as, as part of that role? So I'm currently a staff consulting architect at Firmer uh, for the PSO, Professional Service Organization. Um, my day-to-day -day job is, uh, yeah, it's really nice because it changes a lot because mm -hmm. uh, from delivering day-to-day -day workshops at customers, I'm also helping like the pre-sales guys uh, of like, validating the design that they have in mind to really something it is feasible for deployment. So my day-to-day -day job is getting the requirements from the customer and checking that with uh, the pre-sales team to see also in the end for the delivery, if it is really achieving the goals that the customer set. 
Hmm. Sounds like a very familiar process, taking the customer's requirements and uh, yeah. So exactly. is, and is that across all VMware products or is it, do you specialize in a certain product area? Currently, I'm specializing mainly in the SDC uh, region uh, with a lot of NSX as well, because yeah, that is almost in all of our products currently. So, Yeah, yeah. And, and are you just, your Europe region or are you specific, or just in the Netherlands? Yeah. Uh, Namia region, the Nordics, uh, Europe. Okay, so I'm guessing this year has been a little bit different for you with a lot less travel and a lot more Zoom calls with customers. Exactly. Work from <laughs> home. <laughs> and are you enjoying that or did you prefer, or did you prefer the travel? I prefer to travel. I like spending time with customers, uh, doing like the whiteboarding sessions. So yeah, we do have a lot of tools where we can whiteboard, but mm-hmm. to be like in front of a real whiteboard with a customer where you can hand them the pencil to yeah. like to let them draw their their thoughts, that's super helpful. And that's yeah. the part that I'm really missing. Yeah, I completely agree. And it kind of gives you that fit, that personal connection with the, the teams that you're working with as well, doesn't it? Whereas if you're a the other side of a screen often people are focusing exactly. on other areas and things so yeah i exactly. well, ho- hopefully the hopefully early next year will that'll, that'll change so fingers crossed there let's hope yeah <laughs> so the main reason i'm happy you could join me on this episode of the vcx podcast is to talk about your experience of being an observer during the uh, recent vcdx panels and I'm, and i'm mm-hmm. specifically interested in the things that you might have observed and learned as part of that process that you could pass on to our listeners who, like you, were working towards the goal of becoming a VCDX. So um, mm-hmm. Phoebe, our, our, our first guest, gave us some good points. So um, just let me know, was, was there anything that you found interesting that you think that would be useful for, uh, for our listeners to learn? What, is, uh, what, what really stood out for me was like the way of the, the questions were asked. So mm-hmm. we know where, for example, the, the, the signs were light on or we wanted to know more about, but to ask the question without really asking the question, like customers would do that, that, that was the part that really stood out to me that was really interesting to see how the panelists were like forming their questions to the, uh, the person who was defending. Yeah. So from, from, a, from a candidate's perspective, now that you know that, what advice would you give the candidate to kind of listen out for in the questions? Would you, you know, because as you say, we, we don't necessarily just ask straightforward questions. We kind of ask questions to make the candidate think and try and describe or kind of come to their own answers rather than kind of just, just being a point question. So what advice can you give to candidates to help with those type of questions? Listen, uh, listen for the question behind the question. Think of why would the the panelists ask this question? Yeah, yeah, I think, and that's that's sometimes quite difficult to do, isn't it? And especially in a, a stressful situation, which often a, a panel can can be for a lot of people, is that is it, you often probably question yourself, well, why are they asking me this question? And and often it's best, sometimes it's best to just not even think about why are you being asked this question. Is just listen to the question. And try and respond as best as possible, rather than trying Correct. to understand what <laughs> what they, what it is there that they're trying to ask and what it is. Because because I think sometimes we'll ask a question, and you can see people's minds thinking to themselves, "Well, they're asking this question, but why are they really trying to get me to you know answer themselves?" So it's 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 definitely definitely challenging from a from a panelist perspective to try and get the information that you are looking for without just being very much okay this is this is what i'm looking for i'm just going to ask a direct question so Correct. It's, it's a very it's a very strange situation like we can't just ask direct questions but correct follow the part that for the questions the, the panelist is asking so yeah 
it is it was super interesting to hear like how like the panelists were forming the questions for the the specific technical question for example that was really fun to hear yeah yeah definitely so was there anything else do you think that you that you learned that could be beneficial to our candidates um so don't get stressed out if some questions come up regularly because that means that we have like uh uncertainties of specific parts of the design so there's a reason why we're asking that maybe because we think it is light or we think that you can possibly score more points on that topic it's not to to, to bash on that specific topic it's more to, to for you to score more points i think yeah yeah definitely i mean there'll be times where we'll ask a question let's say around disaster recovery and rto and rpo and maybe the the question wasn't answered uh, at, to the level that we would like at some point, but often there are times during the the kind of the, the whole scenario that we can go back to that and revisit it and ask similar questions, but maybe in a different way to help the candidate. Because right. as you say, it's often in the way that the questions are phrased, and sometimes they don't pick up on what you're trying to look for. So we'll maybe go back to that same subject and ask the question in a different way um, to try and get a, you know, the answers yep. that we're looking for. So. And also, like your your train of thought is something that is, I think, super beneficial. That will show, like the panelist, how you're thinking. Maybe you don't know the answer right on the spot, but it will show the your proper way of thinking. How would you come to the solution? Yeah, yeah. I I think we we don't necessarily get enough of that, Marco. To be honest, I think often, especially in the design scenario where we're acting as customers and the candidate is acting as an architect and asking us questions in their own mind. I'm sure they've got a good train of thought, but from us mm -hmm. often what we'll find is that they'll ask questions in a specific area and then they'll suddenly jump to another area. And, and for us, we don't necessarily know why that jump has happened, but I'm sure in their own mind, it's like, well, okay, I, I now understand this bit. Let's move on to this part. If they, if they could talk us through that process, exactly. that would help us understand rather than kind of a look, it's a bit erratic that one minute they're talking about availability and the next thing they're asking if we have any vendors selected for hardware, you know, and it's like, well, how did you go from that to that? Is it that you, I really, really don't understand the process that you should be following or in your own mind, did you come up to this conclusion and now you've moved on, but just didn't kind of explain that to us. So I think, I think that's a really good point, Marco. And I don't think people do that enough and just, just talk your way through the process. Even if it's, even if it's not taking you to the right place, at least we're understanding how you're thinking about things. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Marco, there's some really good points. Anything else you want to share with us before we close out? So what I would suggest for like the people who are defending or plan to be defend, please do some mock defenses. Please do some, uh, some design scenarios. Uh, I noticed for my own that I didn't do enough of them, especially around the design scenarios, because that, in my opinion, is one of the hardest ones yep. uh, that easily is overlooked. Yeah. Completely agree. I, I'm the, I'm in the same boat as there. I didn't do enough mock. Um, I didn't do enough mocks. I, I don't know if I actually did any, which is really not what we should be recommending. But at the time, I was kind of work like similar to you. I was working as professional services, and every day was like a mock defense, right? Every day, or every, you know, every every new customer you go into, it's almost like a whole new design scenario where you go in, you meet the customers, you kind of sit down with them, and you ask them the questions of what they're trying to achieve, and then you help them figure out what what design would would you know best suit their needs and, and fit their business requirements so if, you, if you're not doing that on a daily basis like you are Marco then it, that's something that you really need to get in the habit of being able to do and the only way you can really do that is to do that through mock defenses so 
exactly. And also get used to the time factor, the time mm -hmm. factor, because the, those minutes are ticking away so quick. And yeah. I think that's the part that you need to train on. Yeah. That you definitely. know how short the time you actually have. <laughs> it seems yeah, long, but it isn't. Yeah. I mean, it's 45 minutes. And it, personally, I feel that it could be longer. I feel that it'd be beneficial to be a little bit longer. Although from a candidate's perspective, I know you just want it to be over and done with. But I think sometimes because you have that so much, that time pressure, it kind of adds to the stress and often you don't necessarily think in a clear manner how as you would with a customer when you're sitting down in a customer's office with a coffee and you're kind of just relaxing and just kind of talking about what you need because that clock is ticking away often you you kind of over you forget things so definitely doing mocks with with the time constraints as well is a really good point marco and i think um the the, the vcdx community is is really good at helping people find mock defenses. There's, they often see tweets about people saying thank you for like four or five different people for helping me mock defenses that we've just done in the last few evenings as they're kind of gearing up towards their defenses. So if you're if you're looking to do your VCDX and you've not done a, um, a mock defense before, reach out to the people in the VMware community and, and maybe the first one you do is just listen in on one just so you can understand what the process is and get familiar with it. And then the next one, you can ask someone to maybe review your design and, and, and do a defense for you. So, yeah, That's also a good point for reviews, plan for reviews, because mm -hmm. like the people are normally pretty busy who are already have gone through the process. Mm -hmm. uh, plan for the review session, but also plan for uh, adapting your design to, with the review comments. Yeah, exactly that's also that. what I found for some other people that it can be quite challenging to with short time frames and uh, large designs to do those uh, kind of review sessions. Yeah, yeah, and that kind of goes back to some points that we've had sort of throughout the all of these episodes of the VCX podcast. Is it just make sure you give yourself enough time? Don't try and put a time pressure on you to okay, I want to get this done by the end of the year, and it's like August, and you've got like three months to get everything done because you'll end up just doing things and pushing things through that you know aren't necessarily up to the level that should be. So give yourself enough time, get feedback early on in the design process and get your mock defenses going early on in the processes. So but when it gets towards the time where you actually want to submit, the design is good. You've had all the feedback, you've made all the changes that you've been recommended. Your mock defenses, you're ready for the actual physical panels and you're good to go. So just always give yourself enough time as well, Mark. That's a really good point, Marco. Yeah. All right, mate. So, closing questions. So, knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time, back to when you were preparing for the VCDX, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Uh, start a little bit earlier because we had really short timeframes. So, I did a joint uh, submission together with Matthew Buns. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, that really helped uh, because I had somebody like on the other side who was putting pressure on me. I could put pressure on him, and we could work together. So that worked really well for me. But like the short time frames, no. I cannot advise that to anyone. And the mock defenses, of course. Yeah, I think having someone to work with or having the ability to hold yourself accountable to actually put the time in is, is important. Like for me, I, I was lucky enough that I had a lot of spare time in the evenings because I was in PSO that I could say, okay, I'm going to dedicate this time to do my VCDX. Whereas I know a lot of people have family lives and nine to five jobs where they don't have time to spend on it. So either hold, you, hold yourself accountable to that time, make sure you give yourself one evening a week or however you want to fit in your timeline, or as you say, work with someone else and make sure that you hold each other accountable. Make sure that you have timelines set out. Okay, we, we need to get this part of the design done by this date and get that reviewed. And, and yeah, so Marco, how can people find you and follow you on the internet if, if you want them to? That is, of 
course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter on the VM Begum. Uh, if that's a <laughs> difficult last name, you can also find me on the VCX uh, directory under 223. So. Yeah, I'll also put your uh, your Twitter link in the show notes as well, because as you say, it's not always easy to to spell. So, Marco, exactly. it's been an absolute absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the VCDX podcast, and hopefully, yeah. we'll have you on again at, at some point in the future. Thanks for having me. Sadly, that's all we have time for on this episode of the VCDX podcast. Again, thanks to both of my special guests, Phoebe Kim and Marco van Bagen. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you did, please be sure to subscribe, follow me on Twitter at SimonLong underscore, and share this podcast with others who might find it useful. I'll speak to you all again soon.